0: What is good all of our listeners welcome to another episode of games and groceries my name is adam and i'm liz and i will fix your heart without checking the warranty what you know because we're also in the business of fixing hearts making relationships and i will not check your warranty to fix your heart
1: are we talking about like real heart like your organ or like emotional heart
0: well both because well no i'm sorry both well i can't fix it like the physical but i can fix the, the emotional okay so
1: it's not both it's just the emotional
0: welcome to games and groceries everybody how's everybody doing i will not fix your heart but maybe i will maybe you should uh stick around and maybe i'll uh find out if i can fix your heart or not so liz how are you doing
1: i'm good yeah yeah are
0: you excited for today's guest
1: yeah, it's gonna be a really good episode.
0: It really is. Uh, it's going we to be ha- exciting. Yes, uh, we have our special guest, Mr. Matty Plays, to talk about being an apolitical gamer. But we also have an interview lined up with him. Where we're gonna find out a little bit more about Mr. Matty Plays. But before we get to that, we're gonna talk about our top three gaming news because uh, usually, if you're new here, we talk about movie minutes. But we're cutting that out for this episode to give Mr. Matty Plays a little bit more time to talk in an interview. So, before we get into our top three gaming news, let's just go out with the social medias. Uh, we wanted to remind you that you can follow us on Twitter at Gaming Groceries, or you can follow us individually. I'm at Ace the Grocer,
1: and I'm at Journey First.
0: So you can follow us individually, be friends with us, start a conversation with us. I love you. Maybe I don't. I don't know. But <laughs> also follow us on Instagram, Games and Groceries, all one word. Where you can check out behind the scenes photos, updates about the podcast, and. Gaming memes. So if you like those, follow us on Instagram. You can also check out our website, gamesandgroceries.com, where you can listen to all of the podcast episodes from the website, as well as find out where you can hear the auditory podcast. So you can listen to us on iTunes, Radio Public, Spotify. Check out the website. It's all right there. I highly recommend listening to us on Radio Public. They do directly support the show. So if you're going to listen to us on the audio version, definitely check out Radio Public. And finally, if you're listening to us on the auditory version of it, the audio version of it, definitely give us a rating and a review because that's how we can get more viewers, more listeners onto the show. Uh, and give us your honest feedback. Give us your honest review. What did you think about the show? And if you would like me to read your review, uh, definitely send me your review at contact at gamesandgroceries.com where you can say, hey, Adam, here's a review. Can you read it in this voice? I can also do Kevin from the office, but I won't do it until you send me a review on email. But I do have one. Uh, I do have a request to say, hello, mom. How are you doing? The
1: request was from his mom.
0: The request was from my mom. Hi, mom. Hi, mom. You. So, uh, yeah, definitely give us a rate and reviews. And finally, if you're watching us on, on YouTube, if you're new here. How you doing? This is Games and Groceries. We like to do uh, discussion videos, Let's Plays, this podcast. So if that interests you, if you enjoyed this podcast and what we offer, definitely hit that subscribe button, hit that notification bell so you never miss when a podcast comes up or when a discussion video comes up, definitely hit that subscribe button. If you enjoyed this video, if you enjoyed this podcast, definitely hit that like button so we know that you liked it. And if you would like to join in on a discussion, Write it in the comments below. Definitely give us your thoughts. What do you think about what we offered? What do you think about the top three gaming news? What do you think about my face? Do you like my face? I like your face. I bet you're beautiful. So you're scaring me. <laughs> with that said, let's just jump into our first segment. Top three gaming news. The top three gaming news is the gaming news that we saw in the past week. And we like to rate it three, two, one, just to give you a condensed version of what's happening in the gaming industry. Uh, So, yeah, let's just start. With our number three gaming news, now this isn't really gaming news per se, but this is coming from our boy Hideo Kojima uh, from the San Diego Comic-Con. So Hideo Kojima predicts that within the next five years, gaming stream, game streaming will be a mainstream thing, a household thing. During his storytelling panel at San Diego Comic-Con, uh, he had this to say. In the near future, games and movies will come closer than ever in a similar category, meaning like Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime, right? Where the distribution of video games will come close to movies, not only in storytelling, but also in game streaming, right? So I definitely agree with this. Now, before I, before I commentate any more about this, he also had this to say. Uh, so in the next five years, everything will change movies music games how we share with each other will definitely change as art what do you think about all of this
1: um i definitely agree with the streaming aspect because right just like movies it took a while for people to understand what it was and how it worked and got comfortable with it yeah i think the same thing's happening with games we're still not quite sure how it works mm-hmm. or what we think about it right but if, once you give it time just like streaming movies mm-hmm. it's gonna be the same thing it's not like it's going to push out having physical copies. But yeah. it's going to allow people to play more games and only own the ones they really like. Right. You know, so it, I think it's a good idea. And I definitely agree with him that give it a few years mm-hmm. and it'll be in the same spot as Netflix.
0: Yeah. And, and that's the thing. Uh, we, we also had a discussion video about uh, Google Stadia. Here you go. It wasn't received so well, but check it out anyway. But uh, in our final point of that video, if you wanted to check it out... Uh, we also said that, yeah, Google Stadia game streaming isn't really for us, but that's not to say that it will never be for us. And th- I think that's what the Hideo is saying is that right now it's just coming out. Just give it a mm-hmm. shot. Like that's it. Just, just give it a chance. Just give it a chance to grow, become something, find out what it is. L- let the little baby grow. Right. <laughs> uh and and that's just it like let let the little baby gaming streaming grow so that in the next five years maybe it is something yeah we said in a video that like yeah it's not for us right now but maybe in five years yeah
1: and it might not even be stadia that does that right you know what i mean like we have we have netflix we have amazon prime Mm -hmm. we have hulu there's tons of streaming platforms but netflix is the one that kind of revolutionized it yeah. And it might not be a city that revolutionizes it, but you never know. It could be. There could be someone else. It's you know, mm-hmm. it's the future. We don't we don't know.
0: Yeah. Hideo Kojima also joked that in ten years that AI will re, uh, create remakes and sequels automatically. I don't want that. I want it.
1: I think I don't think games would be very good and it terrifies me. Nope.
0: Give me that co tour remake right now. No. All right. Number two, gaming news. Uh games and groceries will fix your heart without checking the oh, wait, sorry. My mistake. Oh, no. Sorry. Uh, Here's a news article. My bad. Uh, Nintendo will fix your Joy-Cons for free. That's the right article. And issue refunds to any prior repairs that have been done. Uh, After the big backlash of the Joy-Con drift issues, Nintendo sent a memo to Nintendo's customer service uh, with this to say, Customers will no longer be requested to provide proof of purchase for repairs. Additionally, It is not necessary to confirm warranty status. This is big. So with this whole Joy-Con drift thing, with this whole um, big backlash, like why is my Joy-Cons drifting? I thought this was a quality product and the whole Nintendo warping. And uh, there, there was a lot of issues with the Switch. However, Nintendo is going out to say that, listen, we're here. They might be losing money. I don't know. I don't know the business model of this. Move. Yeah, but this is big on Nintendo. What do you think about this?
1: Um, it's definitely interesting because you don't see companies doing this. Usually, if they offer a warranty and Mm -hmm. you don't have it, yeah, that's tough cookies. Yeah, can't do anything about it. And they're and they usually even if you have a warranty, they're not fixing it; they're replacing it.
0: Yeah, you know.
1: Whereas this, they're fixing it. They are fixing the problem. And isn't it that the the new ones that they're putting out will. Have Mm -hmm. like the proper thing so that doesn't do that?
0: Um, I no, I'll I don't know,
1: I don't know, but you would assume so, yeah. But either way, you don't see companies saying, Yes, send us your thing, we'll fix it for free, Mm -hmm. or we'll pay you back if you already got it fixed before we said this. Like,
0: yeah, that's that's crazy. That's
1: crazy, and it's and I think it's good. I think it's a good idea because even if they lose money on it, they're gonna Mm -hmm. gain money in the future because people will be like, I want a Nintendo because they own up to their, you know, yeah, to their faults. Something that they made Mm -hmm. wasn't made well, and they're going to fix it for free.
0: And that's the thing. uh, The last note I have about this news segment is that there's a quote by Nintendo saying that at Nintendo, we take great pride in creating quality products. Now, keep this in mind, people. Nintendo is very similar to Disney Mm -hmm. in the way of they care very much about their image. They do not like the public knowing or the public thinking, not knowing, but the public thinking that their products are not to the quality standards. They yeah. don't have that stamp of approval. They are very, very mindful of their public image. So when this whole Joy-Con thing happened, they were not standing for it. Yeah. And if they do lose money, in Nintendo's mind, it's better to lose money now than it is to lose future trust.
1: Yeah future clients customers Mm -hmm. you know people
0: there's a reason why Nintendo is still making consoles and Sega is not
1: yeah there's a reason you know there's things there's certain things that keep you in business for generations
0: exactly so
1: they've figured it out
0: yeah so this all has to do with Nintendo's public image so just keep that in mind and just take advantage of it right now if your Joy-Cons are drifting take advantage of this Um, Fix them. yeah go get them fixed For free. Free! That brings us to our number one gaming news. And this is coming from Cyberpunk 2077. Oh boy here. Cyberpunk 2077 will have real world religions as quests and factions. Promises no disrespect, however. So, this is coming. Now, before we start this, this is coming from Christians right here. Uh, I'm a full-time youth pastor. And I just want to preface that. Uh, I could not care less <laughs> about the uh, first statement that was said. First statement that was said is like, oh, no, they're going to go. Let me let me say it real quick. In an interview with a Polish news, uh, Polish news article, uh, GRI Online WP, that was it. Uh, NeoGAF translated as we will not avoid any subject, even if it offends the sensitivity of some. When I first read that, I did not care. Like I, I didn't care, and I, and, I, and here's the other thing. I don't really think I don't really think that sensible Christians really do care because they understand mm-hmm. that someone's opinion does not affect your faith, right yep. um uh, and, and that's the thing i I think that news articles kind of took this out of array, like oh man, they're they're really gonna become edgy and and uh, you know, Bob, just like Far Cry Five did uh when that when that first came out, uh and I didn't care about that either but what what do you think about that
1: i think that the way that, that the news articles are mm-hmm. portraying it like you said it's like they expect it like it's like they hear oh there's going to they all they said was there's going to be a religion in cyberpunk 2077 And Mm -hmm. everyone heard it as they're going to destroy churches and kill Christians in Cyberpunk 2077. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. They just said religions will be included in the game.
0: Well, even Gryo Line said it. So, well, let's go into that, right? Uh, This has been a mistranslation on NeoGAF's part. So IGN reached out to Cyberpunk 2077 or CD Projekt Red. Uh, They reached out to CD Projekt Red. And he said, is this true? And CD Projekt Red had this to say. They sent them the real translation, which says that Gryonline says that you mentioned religion. Does it still exist in the cyberpunk world? CD Projekt Red had this to say. Yes, in many forms. As I mentioned, our vision is somehow based in the real world. And religion is a very important part of the latter, society-wise. In our game, we're going to see, for example, Christianity. And it's different branches. Or religions from the East. Yeah. You're going to see different religions. It's going to be there. It's going to be present in game. Cool. Grindline had this to say. Sounds controversial. Controversial. Uh, Someone will enter a church and cause havoc. CD Projekt Red said this. We do not want to avoid any religion as a topic. Authenticity of the world is what counts for us. Technically... The situation you mentioned is possible, but this is all about choices that the player is making made by the player. We won't encourage the player to do so. Let me read that again. We won't encourage the player to do so, which involve religious themes. Oh, wait, in in our quests, which involve religious themes, we are sure to make there's, <laughs> we are sure to make no disrespect. We are
1: sure there's no disrespect.
0: Good job, Adam. Thanks, Liz. So, with that said, there's no disrespect here. I don't. Yeah. I really don't understand. Um, if you're a sensible Christian, you'll know that just because this game exists, let's say that first, let's say that first uh, quote was real. Let's mm-hmm. say that's exactly what they intended. That does not affect you in the real world. It doesn't. Yeah. Going back to news articles, just because somebody says that doesn't mean that Christians are offended by that. Doesn't mean that you have to you know, start a fire here, but yeah. I guess that's what you need to start clickbait. I should know I'm on YouTube, but <laughs> that's just it. Is that like either way? I I don't really care.
1: Yeah. I I, yeah. I personally don't care because
0: that's just it. Is that like if cyberpunk wants to do it in that way in the first way, go ahead. It's your art, man. Like yeah. it doesn't affect me personally. It does not affect my faith. Yeah. Do you? But this first, but the the real one, they they say that we are going to make sure that there's no disrespect. We are not going to be encouraging players to do so. It's but just if going, that's
1: what they want to do. Then so be it. Yeah. And
0: that's the thing. It's all about choice. I will choose not to hurt the Christians. Yeah. I will choose not to hurt anybody in the game. Well, and, I mean, you maybe know, I can.
1: In in you know, just thinking about it. I would rather someone wreak havoc in a virtual church
0: than in a real one than
1: in a, the real world.
0: Yeah. So So.
1: either way, that.
0: either way, <laughs> it doesn't really affect us personally. I, I, I think that artists can do whatever they want. But yeah. Christians at the same time, just because something exists doesn't mean it affects your faith. Yeah. Just because and it shouldn't. just because an opinion exists in the world. Yeah. Right. And, and this goes for anybody. Yeah. I clipped the audio. That's great. That's uh, okay. So I, I think that's all we have to say about that. Before yeah. we get into real trouble, write in the comments below. Did I get in trouble or not? Write Probably. in the comments below. So before we get there, we just want to encourage you again that if you enjoyed the podcast that you are about to hear with Mr. Matty Plays, definitely hit that subscribe button. If you like what we have to offer, definitely hit that subscribe button on YouTube, on iTunes, ring the notification bell so that you're alerted whenever a podcast comes out. So we want to build a community here. We love you very much. Hope you stick around. So if you're a human being, click that subscribe button. All right, let's get him on. Let's get on that fan of GRPGs. Let's get on that fan of Bethesda. Let's get on the only fan of the Sony Vita, or the PS Vita. I forget what it's actually called. Let's just bring him on and ask him, Mr. Matty Plays. It's interview time. All right, everybody. Welcome to our interview section where we have our guest, Mr. Matty Place. Say hi, Matt. Hey, how's it going, everybody? So, Mr. Matty Place, he has a really successful YouTube channel on YouTube. I was about to say Good on job. somewhere else. But, <laughs> but yeah, uh, Mr. Matty, uh can we call you Maddie? Yeah, of course. All right, cool. Uh, Maddie, can you tell us a little bit about your YouTube channel?
2: Yeah, I do... Mainly games coverage, naturally. Um, Right on. I I sit more in the news realm. I've started to expand a little bit into more discussions, uh, in depth thoughts on Mm -hmm. certain pieces that trend in the industry. That's sort of where uh, my heart has taken me. I've I've always been a creator who's who's been driven by like what they want to talk about, not what's the the trend. And I know that kind of contradicts me saying like Mm -hmm. trendy topics at times, but. Sometimes that's just how it works. Um, but most times it's like, what do I want to talk about today? So if you're into mm. that type of stuff, my channel's a good place to be.
0: Yeah, dead on. I've been watching your channel since, I want to say 2015. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I just really enjoyed your personality, your uh, analyzing. Who uh, knows to you
2: because because yeah. cause back then I, I still say to this day, that was that was me in my infancy. I, I
0: really didn't have an idea of what I was doing. At least I somewhat do now. <laughs> right on. Now, like that, that's exactly what this podcast is. Like we were just figuring things out. We're just starting to figure things out. <laughs> Not really, but no, you you've really grown a lot as as a creator and it 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 shows on your channel. So if you haven't yet Definitely give him a subscribe. Uh, this dude deserves 1 million subscribers, so get him there. That's a command. So, Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Uh, so let's start with uh, a brief interview to get to know you a little bit better. So I've been watching your channel for a while now, and mm-hmm. you have been caught on camera rocking many different NHL gear, including uh, the Islanders, <laughs> Oilers, Bruins, Predators, never Flyers. I'm a little insulted, but ah, you don't like the Flyers. Um, I do not. Ah, well, that's not the question. We'll, we'll talk about that another time <laughs> and uh, my gripes about that. But do you have <laughs> one favorite team or are you an all-around NHL team?
2: Um, The Rangers are my favorite. Okay. You know, they're, they're my favorite of all time. They're my first team I fell in love with. You know, they're New York-based, which is where I'm from. Okay. So, uh, obviously, I have that connection of being able to go to their games more. Um, I always... Picked uh, for for really most sports, I I I pick like a a favorite team in the East and a favorite team in the West. Nice. Um, I thought because the Rangers at the time when I first became a fan of them, they were a first place team. I was like, I want to you know pick an underdog team, which has been the the bait of my existence as a Mets fan. I certainly get my dues there. (laughs) Yeah, man. And so, um, I picked the Oilers though, silly enough, and that was back in two thousand and eleven. So they're my favorite team in the West. I got to see them for the first time uh, in person just last february uh, i was out there for a hockey tournament in edmonton and wow. so we went to a game and uh of course they were they were playing not too well mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was it was a little bit of a disappointing showing but you got to see some of your favorite players but overall i am a big hockey fan you know you like you said you'll you'll catch me wearing different gear from different teams cuz overall i love the sport you know yeah. that's what got me into it i love the sport and then you know i pick teams from there and of course you know i have certain loyalty to s- certain ones. But like, I also love certain players. Like, mm-hmm. uh, the Rangers had a, a player called Carl Hagelin, who, who yes. was one of my favorite players in the entire NHL. She's yeah. a speedster. I uh, love watching him play. And he got traded to a rival, the Pittsburgh Penguins. Now I hate the Penguins, but <laughs> I love Carl Hagelin. So I was like, I'm going to support my man. Cause he won two Stanley cups and I bought a shirt for him. And I wear a penguin shirt every now and then, which, you know, it's a little gross, but, uh, <laughs> I do it anyway. Cause I, I love players. the man and I love the sport. Hmm.
1: Oh, my goodness,
0: man. All right. So you're penguins, but not flyers. OK, well, we'll change that as years go on. But it's all right. Yeah. Let, let's ask another question about hockey.
1: OK, so on the subject of hockey, what beginner tips do you have for people just starting hockey?
0: Mm, that is a good question.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, No one's ever good right away you know, you watch them on TV, you watch these videos on YouTube, or at least I did on how to skate, how to shoot. You're like, man, how do I do that? Uh, that that can't be too hard. And then you, you put them on, you actually put it into practice and you realize moving your feet on whether you're playing roller mm-hmm. on wheels or an mm-hmm. ice with blades and trying to throw your body forward and shoot a puck at the net and have some speed on it to beat the goalie and keeping your balance and having the leg strength to keep going and not falling and not breaking your neck. It, yeah. It's a lot, a lot hits you at once. So my, my uh, suggestion would be, you know, just know you're not going to be amazing at first, take your time with it. And, mm-hmm. uh, this, this goes without saying, but you, you get better with practice. You know, mm-hmm. I always told people learn to shoot on your feet first, learn how to skate without a stick second, and then start to mesh the two. Because what happens is a lot of people instantly put on the skates, grab a stick and start, launching themselves onto the ground because <laughs> they don't know how to hold balance. Yeah. Right. And, uh, and so, yeah, I, I just tell people that would be my, my steps because that's what I did. You know, I used to shoot at like a tiny little plastic net on my feet mm. in at a basketball court. And then, uh, my friends and I were like, all right, let's take it up to the next, next level let's let's get blades you know ice rinks are, are very scattered where i'm from so yeah uh and very far away too so mm-hmm. we're like let's just get blades because there was a roller rink about 10 minutes from us so we started doing that and that was a whole challenge of its own and then you take it to the next level with ice um because the way i look at it, i was like 20 19 hmm. when i started so i was like i'm not gonna go professional i'm not gonna go make a career out of this i'm playing for fun so
0: right. why rush
1: myself mm-hmm.
0: yeah no, that, that's that's some good advice. Um, yeah, definitely. That's let, let, what I give to. I'm not a professional skater, um, <laughs> but like skateboarding takes a lot of consistency and just like that, It's a lot of practice, a lot of balance. But yeah, man, like that that's good advice. You're not going to be good at first. Just keep on practicing, and you'll get better as time goes on. So, so you skateboard? Uh, a little bit. I just picked it back up. I okay. uh, broke my ankle, like my growth plate, when I was 15, and I just dropped uh-huh. it. And maybe a year or two ago, I was like, you know what? I regret Mm -hmm. that. I regret putting it down. So
1: it was actually around this time last year because I got my board for my birthday.
0: Oh, yeah. 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 So I picked it back up. But it's a lot of fun, man.
2: Yeah. I I used to skate all the time when I was younger. Yeah, man. Like Mm -hmm. all the time. And it just sticks with you. Like I could probably pick up my board and at least get an ollie off. You know, (laughs) I think I could.
0: It it makes you feel good inside, man. Mm -hmm. It does. So again, like like I mentioned before, I've been watching you for a while and I still remember the uh, little controversial question here, but I still remember your Fallout 4 review. Uh, I I still remember the near-perfect review for Fallout 4, and that was not taken so kindly. Uh, By the way, quick interruption. Uh, This isn't Maddie saying this, but if you're still kind of crying about the whole near-perfect thing, uh, you know, change your diaper, maybe get over it. You know, that was like, what, four years ago? Get over it.
2: Yeah, just about.
0: Yeah. That, that that's from me, not Maddie. But if Maddie wants to chime in, sure. But uh, after a near perfect review of Fallout 4, I still remember uh, the YouTuber Rags called you out pretty much in public and it mm-hmm. kind of changed the era of your channel. So can I ask you, like in that time where you were called out, you started to reflect on that. How did you change not only your channel, but your worldview in general?
2: Yeah, that's a, and it's not controversial. I, I think it's a good question, I like answering these types of questions mm-hmm. because you know, for my channel, it's like a creative space about games, so I don't get the opportunity often to like directly talk about this kind of stuff. Right. Um, the near perfect thing, I kind of, the the reason that really got to me was I didn't care if people agreed with my review or not. It was more so that initially I was interpreted, I felt personally mm-hmm. as like a laughing stock, and you know, I'm not like a you know this guy who's like. Rich on pride, but I, I take pride in my work and that
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah. people
2: take what I do seriously. That's what I always want. You know, I want people to have fun, but I want them to be able to take me seriously. I'm not just some guy clowning you on the internet. You know, that that's important to me. And so when people were laughing it up and saying near perfect this, near perfect that, mm. uh, it definitely was a little damaging to my pride because I felt like anything I say could, could have been uh, made fun of really. And it was hard to, to get people's attention and respect. And then Hmm. when you feel like you're just on the cusp and, um, you make this whole silly rant, uh, about, uh, the the state of fallout four and people's way of tackling it with, uh, criticism versus actually just not liking the game completely. Yeah. Uh, and, and you get called out by another YouTuber who's of a substantial size. Um, it's definitely like a big blow. And I remember like all the motions I went through that day. Like at first I was like, all right, I'm just going to clap back. And I was like, <laughs> no, I got to be mature here. Like, uh, le- let's just take a calm response. I was like, yeah, okay. But did me. I actually do something wrong? You know, I rewatched my video. I watch his. And, you know, there were times in, in Rag's video where I, I'll admit that I had a disagreement with him. But I, I know ultimately I didn't put my best foot forward in that video. I didn't script it. I didn't put bullet points down. I literally turned on the mic. I ranted and I paid the price for it for not putting thought into my content. And that's mm-hmm. kind of what uh, woke me up a little bit. I said, OK, you know, I've always known I've had an audience from that from before that point. Mm-hmm. But I think that was the first time um, in a negative way I realized, oh, man, like, you know, I've had such a, a weight positively. I have felt, you know, I, I I always was told by people like, hey, man, you got me excited for four. Like, I love this game because of you. And I was I was I I was familiar with my my reach that way. I was never familiar in a negative way that I could get to that part of the Internet and see people kind of uh, rallying against me, calling me an idiot and telling me how how silly it was to say that stuff. And, uh, you know, that also had its own repercussions initially where I'd record a commentary and then I'd be like afraid to put it out there because, Mm -hmm. you know, you had like the fear of God in you because you're like, man, I don't know if. I want to, I want to put this out there. Will someone pick this apart too? Did I say something wrong? You just don't know. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. uh, what it led to is I could either just, you know, fight or flight. Do I, do I, do I run away from this? Do I start a whole new career? Do I do something completely different? I mean, it got that heavy for me and it, it could be because at times I'm a little extreme, but, yeah. um, it's human you know, do though. I, do mm-hmm. I, do I reset or do I turn this into this positive thing where I build confidence in what I say because I've researched it well enough where we can have a disagreement, we can argue about it, but at the end of the day, I'm not going to make a fool of myself. And it was, that was like the testament to to my quality and my channel. And obviously stuff afterwards came like new cameras, microphones. I have uh new projects on the horizon as well. That should be happening within the next month and a half, I'd say. Yeah. Um, and I'm happy to be at that point. Um, but yeah, in, initially it was, it was really tough to bounce back because, fallout force dlc was just concluding too so my channel was in a state of limbo where um you know stuff i uploaded just did not land um if i tried to bring variety uh, it was a really really weird time for me um Hmm. because i didn't quite know what to do either and uh you know to transition into just doing like random reviews and Hot takes and discussions. Uh, it, it was tough, but I I'm thankful for. And I don't hold anything against Rags because I know at the end of the day, uh, he was being objective about my stuff. Because at the same time, he may have called me out for that. Mm-hmm. Um, when my seventy six review dropped, he was the first person who directly said, "Go watch his review. It's actually really good." And so, you know, I I respect that in someone who can. You know whether it's publicly or not, can call me out on something and at the same time be like, you know what, I may have called him out for something, but like, hey, he's improved and take a look at Mm -hmm. this. I think that's fair and honest work.
0: Yeah, man. No, just as a fan man, you handled it really, really well. Uh, Like you said, you handled it more mature. You could have clapped back. You could have just made another rant for the video that's like, Oh, rags is just a dog of the internet. I don't know. But right. There's a lot of things you could have said, but you took the the better route. So you took the route of just reflecting and rethinking and just collecting yourself. And I'm glad that you didn't quit YouTube because where you are today, uh it it's so worth it. And I, and I just seen you grow as a creator all throughout the years and I, and I just want to like applaud you for uh Thank doing you. that. Man. Thank you.
2: Yeah, it's, you know, How do I word it? It's one of those things where, you know, you were, you were kind of at a fork in the road and, you know, one way would have drastically changed my life. You know, it's not like I instantly was like, I'm going to quit, but I was, you know, it it was more so the aftermath pressure Mm -hmm. where I felt like I couldn't properly create. Yeah. But I think if, you know, you walk away at that point, you're just damaging yourself as a whole. It's not even just your career. Like if you just Mm -hmm. can't feel comfortable enough to speak and uh, be able to just say what's on your mind in a respectful, polite manner, um, you know, what can you do?
0: no dead on Mm -hmm.
1: uh
0: our next question kind of goes into that so
1: yeah so as i'm sure you know especially after that experience a career in youtube is filled with stress and anxiety Mm. what are some of the ways you focus on mental health off camera
2: so yeah you know what's funny is um around a year after that whole rags thing is when i had um adam you might remember i had like a little bit of a I don't want to say collapse. That sounds a little too heavy, but you know, it's when my anxiety peaked and I had to take a week off, which is, I remember it's, it sounds like nothing, but you know, it was, it was the longest time I've ever been away without just any pre planned content, nothing up in advance, nothing good to go. Like I was just like, I gotta leave. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, that's because I didn't take care of my mental health. Like I'd work myself a ton. I'd, you know, I'd sleep for, six hours, which, Mm. you know, for some is a great night's sleep. But for me, (laughs) definitely not. Uh, I need I need at least another two hours, maybe a smidge more, depending on what my day was before that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so initially I didn't. And it actually took me until I'd say probably this year is when I I got on track. And I have to thank my girlfriend for a lot of it, because Um, you know, my parents knew I'm a hard worker, but like, you know, they'd see me functioning fine. So like, yeah, everything's good. And they you know, they check in, make sure I'm okay. Yeah. And I'd take some days off every now and then, but it wasn't until my girlfriend stepped in. She was like, you need to just like, mm. give yourself a breather sometimes, Matt. And you know, she just, I don't mm. know, something happened where I was like, you know, you're right, but I don't want to like, yeah, cause YouTube had an algorithm where it was, you got to upload every day, daily yep. active channels thrive. So you're like, I don't want to leave a day where. Uh, it's inactive because then then, you know, my my career could suddenly disappear. That's the, kind of the fear mm-hmm. that's in your yeah. heart, even if you even if, you know, it's not uh, realistically possible. I'd say that overnight you're suddenly not relevant. Uh, it, it's kind of a thing that happens over time. I yeah. yeah, for years. Yeah. And, and that's the thing, though. You get in your own headspace. So you need that certain someone who, who is closely connected and to, to you, you, who can kind of wake you up and be like, hey, hey, like, you're going to be OK. You just take a take a Saturday off. And uh, so what I've done is um, it started to work out perfectly. Carrick and I run the podcast every Friday at 430. Mm -hmm. Um, Once that's done, I render the audio version while him and I have a little post podcast chat. I get the video version rendering and uh, I don't upload on Saturdays anymore. I cut that out permanently at the start Mm -hmm. of this year, I think, or might have been last year. I'm not sure. Last year, yeah yeah and um sunday the podcast is already pre-uploaded so what happens is um i have until monday off i, I have mm-hmm. weekends off officially and so that was kind of my first thing um making sure i have a normal work schedule you know, work monday through friday and work week and i uh, take off weekends because what happens is a lot of people mm-hmm. our schedules as creators may be a little more haphazard but the industry still functions on a monday to friday basis me working on the weekends unless i have something happening in the week that i can't i won't be at my computer for mm-hmm. it benefits no one it really doesn't it's just it's flooding my viewers sub boxes mm-hmm. it's not respecting their time in my opinion um, it's it's just too much and mm-hmm. so for me it made more sense to actually just give my channel a day to breathe give people who maybe don't get a chance to check every day to catch up on my stuff instead of looking at it and be like, Oh, I'm already like a week and a half behind. Oh, we uploaded again. Here we go. So,
0: um,
2: what, what happened was, yeah, I I took weekends off. Um, and I realized, you know, when you hit a certain point, which, which I did just the other day, I was, I, you know, what happens is you have these self-contained goals. Like I have all Mm. these secret ideas in mind and I'm, I'm building them up, but no one knows about them. So I feel like I'm underperforming, right? Because I feel like, you know, they have no idea the big things I have planned. And therefore, you know, like, I guess it, it just feels like hmm. me putting out like an extensive news video doesn't feel like enough, which isn't right. So I had to take a day just to be like, guys, I don't feel like I'm doing the right thing. Uh, and I need to just clear my head because I know I'm thinking stupid right now. And uh, it, it's just about to me, the best thing in this career path is look like you become your own boss if you're at this point mm-hmm. um, and, and give yourself a day off. know, it's tough sometimes, but give yourself a day off because what happened was the next day, like instant rejuvenation, like I feel like I killed my Wolfenstein first impressions. Like I was really Hmm. happy with that video because Mm -hmm. I thought it was well, well spoken. You know, it it, it took into consideration all aspects. Mm -hmm. Um, it didn't feel rushed. I I was really happy with it. And that was because I, I took some time to myself and um, it's not like my channel's gone. The channel's doing a little bit better now. It's gaining some traction, mainly because QuakeCon happened. So some more yeah. Bethesda news mm-hmm. is coming. But you know, a lot of people forget. At least you know, I imagine most people who are listening to this are interested in gaming content. That the the games industry comes in seasons. So yeah, the uh, the midsummer huge downtime, arguably bigger now than early winter, or I'm sorry, late winter rather.
0: Mm-hmm. Where, about February uh, March, like mm-hmm. yeah, like like yeah.
2: January through March. Usually that used to be super slow. Now the games industry is becoming more of a year round thing where that's a super packed part of the year. Mm-hmm. And there isn't that slowdown after the holiday season, like there used to be, um, it's transitioned into the middle of the summer. Mm-hmm. And it's weird because I've been accustomed to the beginning of the year being slow, but it was actually a little bit quicker for me. And, uh, and so, yeah, you just got to be able to identify the industry. You may be working for yourself, but you're a part of a greater thing.
0: Mm-hmm. You dead on man. Like again, applaud on you. Like it, it's hard to just take a day off, especially where you stand. Uh, but you, you you set the boundaries. You said, listen, my channel is doing fine. We're going to do this on Saturdays. And in fact, um, I even respected that. Um, we're not recording this on a Saturday, which we usually do. But mm-hmm. I just wanted to respect that day off for you because I appreciate your level, that. Well, like, at, like I said, at your level, you got a lot going on, wrapping on your head. Uh, we're just doing this for the first time and doing daily uploads for us. It's just like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Uh, I can partially feel for you. So I'm like, yeah, no, we're not recording on Saturday. So yeah
2: it's It's tough because you you want to stay relevant, but you also have to have a healthy work life balance mm-hmm. and so you you have to be able to straddle that line carefully and I think there's a way to do it um what what's what's tough is that mm-hmm. you know you work for yourself, so I'm balancing YouTube content, twitch content. I have like I said these kind of ambitious plans, which mm-hmm. require a lot of my headspace, and those ambitious plans care uh, tailor off into newer bigger content Mm -hmm. and yet i still have this daily uploading schedule i have to think about despite the video projects getting bigger and it's not like i have staff to help me or hey can you do this while i do this which you know i got a taste of that at e3 2018 one of my best friends came with me and he helped me edit a ton of videos so while Mm -hmm. like hey i'm going to take a shower can you edit this or I'm going to go out, get us some food. Can you do this? Nice, uh, mm-hmm. That type of thing. And it, 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 it was a lot easier. I'll tell you that much. Uh, but you know, that requires money to pay someone. Um, and it's not really one of those things where, uh, I can consistently afford that. Um, so you have to balance it all and transition at the right time. I feel my future is more in the, um, longer video essay style pieces that do very well, but I upload maybe a couple of times a week instead of uh every single day you know because i feel like that's where my content does its best mm-hmm. but right now a it just isn't a logical choice financially speaking but b i'm not my content's not at that point where i think my viewers are ready for that
0: mm-hmm. no that makes a lot of sense man no totally so there's a lot to balance a lot of consideration you have to take in yeah no uh yeah, I want to move on to a... Uh, I, I said that super rude. Forget
1: uh, <laughs> 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 um, your mental no, health. No, <laughs> no,
0: like... No, it's just such a... No, that's really good to know. Yeah. And I don't want, like, our viewers to think that this is going to be, like, a downer podcast, so I want to move on to a, a more fun question for you. Uh, a lot of your viewers know that you are... I believe you like Japanese culture. I don't think you said that enough on your podcast or just on your show. Just a little. Just a little, you know. <laughs> so I want to ask you... When the day comes, when the day comes, that you'll visit Japan, what are your top three places slash monuments that are must-sees for you?
2: Okay, so I I comprised uh, what I think is a very interesting list.
0: Okay. Uh, Something
2: that I don't think, you know, because everyone will go, like, instantly Shibuya Crossing or something like that. And one of them's a a pretty common selection, but uh, I was pretty happy with what I put together here. Uh, Just to preface for everybody, I I study Japanese for... Um, a number of months pretty consistently, but once I got my, my new puppy back in April, mm-hmm. uh, my life's been a little, little all over the place. So that's yes. also been an additional thing I've had to balance. And sometimes I do fail at that. Um, so it's been, it's been tough to study consistently. So I've had to put it on the back burner for a mm-hmm. little bit, mm-hmm. but in the terms of places I'd want to go in Japan, uh, the first one, my girlfriend actually recently showed me, mm-hmm. um, there are these kind of like hotels in Japan that are libraries and what happens is they're they're covered in books and manga and then you huh. can stay inside the bookshelves what yeah cool. and I Dang. it's actually really awesome and, you know Japan has the coolest hotels like they have the capsule pods that you can stay in I've seen those uh, yeah yeah right but they also have these little rooms inside bookshelves and and inside them are tons and tons of manga and books that you can read and it's like a really quiet place you know, dimly lit, atmospheric. Um, And I I really want to try that because, you know, my girlfriend and I and some of our friends want to go to Japan together. Mm -hmm. And so we're like concocting all these ideas on things we could do, like fun experiences we could have staying overnight at some place. And this is definitely one of them. It's definitely high on my list now because I think it's so, I guess, cute, but also different.
1: Mm -hmm. I really like
2: it. Yeah. Uh, Next on my list was Akihabara, which is the common one. Um, so I actually grabbed a description that I believe came from Wikipedia. Um, it was like when you searched it up initially, um, it it was like that little Google blurb that comes up in the little box. Mm -hmm. So it might've been from Wikipedia, but I thought it described it best where people could understand why, uh, people like us would want to check it out. Uh, so it says Akihabara is a buzzing shopping hub famed for its electronics retailers, ranging from tiny stalls to vast department stores like Yodobashi Multimedia Akiba, venue specializing in manga, anime, and video games, including Tokyo Anime Central, uh, for exhibits and souvenirs, and Radio Kaikan, with its 10 floors of toys, trading cards, and collectibles. Um, and it also mentions that there are staff dressed as maids or butlers that serve tea and desserts at nearby maid cafes, which is a very uh, Japanese culture-type thing. Yeah. But yeah, Akihabara is like a a big electronic central. So dang, you like games.
0: I love you games. Like,
2: yeah. You like, you like collecting <laughs> stuff. You like seeing all the little doodads that Japan creates. Uh, Akihabara is your, your, hot hotspot. So that's definitely, that's probably number one on my list. And, uh, I got to thank persona five for that one.
0: <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> Cause
2: you know, they, they take you there and I was like, what, this place actually exists. Like I thought it was, I thought it was so cool. I thought it was fictional. Dang. Um, and then last on the list is, um, A place called, funny enough, I just mentioned Persona. It's called Yamanashi, which is basically what Persona 4 was based off of um, Hmm. for its world creation. The reason I like this place is because uh, Persona 4, for those who don't know, uh, top three game of all time for me. Very, very excellent soundtrack, but also the way like the town's laid out. It's very quiet. It's very quaint. Mm -hmm. um, And there's something just nice about it. And I'd love to just be there for a couple of days stay an in nice. and just experience like some simple, quiet town life. Because, you know, when when I've studied J- Japanese a lot, you know, I'd listen to not only just language learning podcasts, but also cultural podcasts, because you can't learn the language and go there and speak. You have to know cultural cues like <clears throat> bowing and mm-hmm. how people get around and a uh, general common courtesy because it's a little bit different from you know, for example, the United States,
0: mm-hmm.
2: uh, like, for example, they they travel through trains pretty much anywhere yeah. they go. And uh, that's something that you'd have to adjust to. And as someone who's uh, sometimes I don't want to deal with a ton of people. <laughs> so uh, a quiet town life would would be nice to experience while I'm out there. So th- those are my my three on my list. Man,
0: those are good cool, selections, yeah. man. Man, that, that made it more interesting. Kind of made
1: me want to go to Japan. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right. That's the goal. Yeah, right. Spread the love. <laughs> dang no good info man uh wow like thank you for answering our questions man because like you gave us a lot of good good information uh we got to know you a little bit better uh i think we're gonna move on to our next section but if you enjoyed what mr matty plays had to say again gonna plug his uh channel subscribe to him get him to that million sub points so because he totally deserves it but you got to know him a little better let's just move on to our final segment All right. So in our talking time segment, we're going to talk about uh, what it means to be an apolitical gamer, uh, what that actually stands for, and just talk about uh, politics within video games. So before we start this, let's first define what we mean by apolitical. So, uh, Maddie, why don't you start first? What do you think apolitical means? Well, I know you know what it means. I'm not trying to it.
1: explain <laughs> it for <Yeah>. us. <laughs>
0: What's your definition of apolitical?
2: It's an interesting question because I kind of start with just the political part because mm-hmm. I often feel like, you know, politics and games is, is such like a blanket term for, you know, viewpoints being represented on one side or the other. Yeah. Um, and I usually try to bring it down to just like apoliticals, almost a political choice in its own right. You're like deciding yeah. not to talk about politics. I personally view it as there's a time and place for that. Hmm. Um, and I don't believe my content, my channel, um, is the, the place for it. You know, I know why people follow me and I'm sure they sometimes would like to hear my political opinion, but I, I'm, I was brought up in a house where, you know, I don't even know which way my parents lean. Um, and so I'm very much like, that's how I was, I was raised. And I think it's just personally for me, right. To just be like, you know what? I don't need to constantly tell people what I think about the, the latest and greatest in our, in our country. Hmm. Um, and when it comes to gaming, I guess, uh, apolitical gaming, that, that's how it ties into my content. You know, I I, I just talk about gaming because I know some people are just looking for a spot where they don't got to worry about that. And I'm happy to provide it.
0: Yeah, no, totally. I, I think that's what we do for our podcast, too, is that we, we've we already said to our listeners that we're registered Green Party. And it's just like it's not leaning on any side. And we'll get people to say, like, oh, you know, Green Party, that leans to the left. I'm like, you can, you can define this any way you want. But it's just a matter of we we just want to talk about games and yeah. uh, being apolitical means just like we're just not going to talk about politics right. on the show mm-hmm. right because right. I feel it if I
2: were to say like here's the side I lean towards I feel people would instantly attach a, a set of qualities and whatnot yeah. to mm-hmm. the type of person I am I'd rather stay apolitical mm-hmm. um, because I want you to judge me based off what I say in my content whether it's personality wise or my gaming opinions and decide what you think of me that way, not based off what Mm -hmm. I think politically.
0: No dead on. Uh, Liz, would you agree with that?
1: No, definitely. I think, um, especially these days, once you say, if you lean to a specific side,
0: Mm -hmm. a
1: lot of people will attach specific traits to you on that. So I definitely, definitely agree with that.
0: Yeah, no, that's, that's totally right. Because just like, You know, sometimes you just want a game. You don't want something to be thrown down your throat. You just want to play a video game, right? Yeah. So now that we set the definitions down, uh, there are two games that come to mind when we first uh, made notes on this. Uh, One of them being Division 2. Now, Mm -hmm. when Division 2 came out, um, because it was set in Washington, D.C., and there was some American flag bandanas, uh, I remember reading interviews Asking and just pleading, like, there's got to be some kind of catch here. There's got to be some sort of political statement. And this is an interview coming from IGN, Polygon. I can't remember which one, but I have a <laughs> screenshot. um uh, Your central character here on the key art has an American flag bandana tied to the backpack. Ubisoft says that's correct. This is not a political statement at all? Absolutely not, they respond. Taking up arms against a corrupt government is not a political statement, they ask. Ubisoft says, "No, it's not a political statement. No, we are absolutely here to explore a new city." And so then they say, "Like y'all, you got a grin on your face. Does that mean anything?" And it's just like they mm-hmm. were—they were trying to claw at some kind of political statement, and mm-hmm. all Ubisoft wanted to put out was a, just a game. Now, right? Did you—you—you you, you had a chance to play Division Two, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, played it, beat it about thirty hours.
0: Yeah, right, right, right on. But uh, would you—would you say that there's a political view in it at all?
2: It I wouldn't say so because, you know, mm-hmm. it's it's one thing when you're avoiding real world politics. Um, but when your world is loosely grounded in realism with the dollar flu, it, it was kind of strange that it actually I didn't it didn't have any political messages I felt in there, mm-hmm. uh, especially with Far Cry 5, which had a far more contentious political approach, I feel that that yeah. gathered traction that way and i mean i don't know if it was part of ubisoft's plan it became top selling game of uh last year i think it was or the year before yeah um, it sold ridiculously well though nonetheless and so um yeah i i found it a little strange because you could buy into the division twos mm-hmm. universe a lot easier um because but you know yeah. i i never picked up on anything in the game that felt politically charged however i will admit mm-hmm. um it was very much a game i was there for the gameplay and the level design yeah. Um, The story and the characters were, were not what grabbed me. So there could have been something in the the dialogue that I missed. Yeah, uh, But but I because I didn't really pay close attention to it at all. I couldn't tell you anything about really the story. I could just tell you a little bit about the universe.
0: Well, I think it all just uh, stems from where you lean kind of politically. And because um, all three of us right here, we're not really political at all. So when we hear the dialogue, right, we're not really grasping at straws, just trying to find out what political side they're on. Mm -hmm. But someone who leans to the right might pick up something from the dialogue in this Mm -hmm. way, someone from the left, yada yada. And I I just feel like it comes on to where you stand politically. Because I feel like from this interview, they were just grasping at straws, like, come on, give me something, right? Yeah. Um, Would you say the same, Liz?
1: Yeah, I mean, it feels like they wanted them to say a political statement, but they weren't, like, it looks like they took a picture Mm -hmm. of an american flag bandana yeah and like so overthought it like it's another right. one of mm-hmm. those things like when you're in school and they're asking you to find the symbolism in some random object in a book right that's what these people who are interviewing are doing they're looking at this picture as a simple picture they just figured hey it's set in Washington, D.C. through American flag bandana. And they, yeah. Like, it's like they didn't think about it when they were making it, but the interviewers are just like, what does it mean? Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's just like, I don't know. It, it just kind of like forced things. But then on the other end, I talked about Battlefield Five, and it almost seemed like this corporate plea. And I don't mean to judge EA. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe they were pretty genuine about it, but to me, and I don't know about you, Maddie, but... To me, it felt like very forced and kind of uh, making a statement just to make sales. And mm-hmm. they just wanted to say, like, this is where we stand. If you don't agree with us, then get out of our way. Uh, you cover video games way deeper than we do. Uh, what was your views on Battlefield Five when it first came out? See, it's interesting because because you mentioned like how was it to
2: was their stance to generate sales. And it's surprising because I, I don't know how the game is doing now right but i know initially it did not perform well sales wise and i mean they Mm -hmm. even announced recently like a br mode and that gained like zero traction so i can't imagine the games in a great state yeah um and i remember them saying like if folks don't want the product um then then you know why don't why don't you just get out of our way or whatever Mm -hmm. and i think people took that to heart they were like okay you know because a lot of it became i think less of a political thing and more of the The woman in Battlefield Five, which, mind you, I want to clarify, is not a problem at all. No, no. Um, You know, Mm -hmm. I think it fits the setting. It fits the time period. It's showing awareness or shining awareness on uh, something that a lot of people were not educated on. Mm -hmm. It's just that I think their placement of it is what people had more of an issue with because they were looking for a more historically accurate Mm -hmm. uh, World War II game because Call of Duty World War II failed to deliver that. Um, but yet they had in the trailer like a woman with a cyborg arm like charging at a tank. and yeah. it's like, you know, whether it's a man or a woman who cares, that doesn't make sense at all right. um, historically mm-hmm. speaking. And so you know, I was looking at a, a really neat article and they were bringing up popular uh, Russian woman snipers, woman tankers, mm-hmm. uh, woman pilots. and these could have been awesome ways to uniquely represent women uh, in this game, but it it seemed like,, um, you know, EA had this genuine front. Well, yet underneath it all, they may have been the ones who didn't do their, their research properly.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. And I know, uh, Liz, you have a you had a great grandmother who was in World War II. Yeah. As a Marine. Yeah, really? she was a
1: Marine. Yeah. And my great grandfather was in the 89th Fire Battalion or something like that. But mm-hmm. yeah, my great grandmother was a Marine.
0: Yeah. And, Very neat. And and like you said, Maddie, there is definitely some need for education on this. And we don't really care if there's women in video games at all. I feel like yeah. there should be even more representation, just like with Horizon Zero Dawn. Mm-hmm. Um, I mm-hmm. I didn't really care, yeah. and in fact, I actually appreciated that character a lot, Aloy. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it was very strange the way they were interacting with it. They they chose to make a stance politically rather than making a stance historically. I don't know if that makes yeah. sense. No, that's
2: well said. That's yeah. well said. I think that's exactly what they did. And I think they had... Well, you know, I'm sure underneath it all, mm-hmm. there was some genuine intentions, but I think they knew also what it could have accomplished.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. They
2: worked in their favor. And I, I'm not going to act like suddenly EA is <laughs> yeah. not, not smart. Yeah. You know, <laughs> they're, they're businessmen. They they know what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and It's a shame because... Um, I, I used the term earlier, like a blanket would be draped over. and and that type of stuff puts a blanket over games that do represent, I think, uh, its own world politics well and and mm-hmm. and represents women well. Um, One of my favorite games of this generation, probably my favorite game of the generation so far, Mm. um, is is Nier Automata. And it's one of my favorite more recent examples where, you know, you you work as an android for Yorha. You're under this Council of Humanity where you're clearing Earth for the sake of making it a hospitable place where life can resume. Yeah. And Yorha itself stands as this, like, elite militaristic organization, uh, yet—and they have, like, their own, you know, rules are rules. Mm -hmm. Um, There's this theme of military might but yet you have uh, these androids or you know which the the word of itself android doesn't entail emotion but you have 2B and 9S who you play as who have their own uh, interpretations of the orders given through the chain of command and i think it adds personality it's because it's such a, it's a core piece of the narrative. Um, it seamlessly does that without it feeling forced because it's built into the universe. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's why people sometimes have an issue with political messages is because sometimes you can do it gracefully Mm -hmm. and, um, and put it in your game where, where it works well and it can teach you something and you can make the real world correlation and it can change your perspective. And that's excellent. That's what some of the best storytelling devices do. Uh, but when it gets jammed in there, I think that's
0: where, where things get a little clunky. No, mm-hmm. I I totally agree. And um, oh Liz, were you about to say
1: something? Um, I was when you were talking about like how you don't care if women yeah. are games, and I'm in the same spot. Like, I don't care if they're women in games. I mean, I'm a girl, so I prefer to play as a girl anyway. Right. But mm-hmm. but when it comes to historical games, like games that are based at certain times in history, I do think that mm-hmm. needs to trump your need to have Yeah. Women empowerment or some or women in games like It needs to be historically accurate. No, dead on. You know what I mean? So
0: So I'm going to jump ahead in my notes here and just kind of ask the question. uh, Again, I I wanted to bring you on the show because I think you have more perspective than we do. Because, again, you cover games way more than we do. But Mm. how can you tell when a game is spreading an authentic message, whether it be political or mental health, whatever? How can you tell when a game is spreading an authentic message or when it's a corporate ploy to get more sales? So we'll so you. yeah,
2: that's a good question, because I think one example I think of where it felt authentic mm-hmm. was Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice. Yes. Um, yeah. Twenty dollar game, about six, seven hours long, um, really strong he- uh, mental health message, um, taught me a lot. Mm-hmm. And then the developer proceeded to have sales for the game, get it on yeah. new platforms. And when you bought on those platforms as well. Uh, they took, I think it was like 50% of all the revenue and would mm. put it towards the, uh, the, I, the name escapes me with the mental health issue that the the mm. title was completely based around. Um, and so I think yeah. that that's a sense of authenticity that, you know, obviously I, I always try to factor this into my discussions. All these companies are businesses and at the end of the day, sure. mm-hmm. um, they need to stay afloat. And so um, there is goodwill in the companies, but they also do this because, you know, it gives them good PR. So if there's ever a slip up down the line or mm-hmm. something along those lines, they, they have a little something like a safety net sort of mm-hmm. to be like, Oh, well we did this though. Um, but I, I feel, you know, cause I, I say that with, for example, like CD project right confirmed, there's no pre-order bonuses for, um, cyberpunk 2077. Yeah, that was good. And it's great news. Yeah. But you know, everyone's parading them around. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, if we want this to be the standard, we have to be like, okay, cool. You know, not like
0: mm-hmm. raising the
2: banners for them. Um, but yeah, I feel like you can tell when there's authenticity and when a company is just, you know, taking advantage of the goodwill they've been given.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's it's not, their, I guess I worded it just kind of like a corporate ploy, but it's just taking advantage of that kind of thing. Um, Liz, do you have any thoughts on this?
1: Um, Not particularly, I mean, I do think that when it comes to like when, when a, developer is trying to like really send a message yeah usually you can tell yeah like usually it's so it's such a it's so extreme that it's like wow you hid that real well yeah (laughs) um but when they're trying to do it in a way that they really care about the message they're proceed they're you know giving out Mm -hmm. usually it's done in a more delicate and more artistic fashion right and not just like the characters blatantly saying like Screw the government. Like yeah. you know what I mean? <laughs> like usually yeah. if they're if it's some sort of like ploy to like get you to their side, it's right. Usually they don't do it as well as someone who fully cares about the subject.
0: Mm-hmm. Now I can't think of a game generally right off the top of my head that does that, very ham fisted. Mm-hmm. But when you said that, it, it kinda what what came into my head was uh we happy few. And it wasn't really a politics thing, but uh, the themes within that game were very ham-fisted, right? Mm-hmm. Um, take your joy, take your medication, so they have to put on the fake smile so that nobody yeah. recognizes you. Um, uh, did you have the chance to play that, Maddie? Yeah, yeah, game I wanted to love so badly. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I Same. I remember that video. Um, yeah, it was just uh one of those things that I can't think of a game right now that's that ham-fisted in its themes. Uh, do do you have mm-hmm. anything to mind? I feel like um. For we happy few, it really fit the universe to be
2: ham-fisted because it, you mm-hmm. know the, the everyone's smiling. It's very in your face already. So being like, hey, take your joy, and like you start to discover like, yeah, the you know mm-hmm. when they when they're off their joy, how miserable things are, and about like you know tackling issues on your own and being able to to face the storms of life. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there was something impactful there. Um, and so I feel like sometimes ham-fisted, in that sense. Could yeah. be a good thing it's it's about knowing i feel like it's just all boils down to, to knowing your product knowing what you're working with yeah mm-hmm. and uh and and fully understanding the audience that could be getting into it you know you can't please everybody and that has to be something you have to accept right off the rip yeah. but um i feel like you know they if they did anything right in that game it was its universe you know it it felt yes. very well realized and and especially those uh, not procedurally generate areas, those finely crafted areas where you had chances to listen to conversations amongst people and,
0: and kind of discover the hard truth of the universe. You know, that type of stuff was great. Mm-hmm. No, I totally agree with that. Um, yeah, and that's the thing. Like, I, I enjoyed We Happy Few. I didn't enjoy the glitches. Um, <laughs> no. <I'm sorry. laughs> yeah, I bought it on release, and we actually did an episode on it too, um, the the message behind We Happy Few. But, cool. yeah, and, and that's the thing. Like, uh, when, when we're talking about politics and video games though i i just feel like to be ham-fisted about it right it, it doesn't leave the player you know if, if it does become that it doesn't really leave the player uh, a discussion it's more of just like preaching at them right mm-hmm. what your views are and uh i i linked you an article i'm not sure if you had the chance to read it i didn't read it all the way through but a 2015 mm-hmm. article reads um that politics will sorry let me bring it up that the hidden uh, politics in video games and how your Xbox shapes the way you see the world and talks about how, let's say, you're in the 1800s in the Middle Ages and uh, it talks about the king. And the the message behind it was just kind of saying that, like, well, video games will inevitably change your worldviews about politics. And I just want to ask uh, each of you: Do you do you think that's true? There's there's some truth to that, or do you think it's not as um, not as easy as that? What do you think? We'll start with Maddie. oh man this is a tough one (laughs) yeah
2: yeah i i i don't know i i feel like i've always had a a disconnect like i i can get fully immersed in a game but i know at the end of the day it's it's just a game no matter what and i can get Mm -hmm. as attached to the characters i want to be i still know it's a game so i always have that disconnect of like not having as much uh political influence i feel when it comes to these titles whereas you know taking ethical stuff away taking moral having moral takeaways rather um that type of stuff i i I extract more and it's because i usually don't take a look for the politics i let the universe speak to me more so on what it's trying to build i think bioshock infinite you know i recently started up for a twitch series um and that's like a a good example of a, a game that I kind of, like, come to me with, with how it, it takes a little bit of a, a political approach. You know, it, mm-hmm. it covers racism, slavery, and yeah. the, the whole nine yards. It goes really into it. And so, you know, you're able to digest that whole product and have your own takeaway there. But um, I guess in a sense it could it, it does shape, you know, like, oh, that's not right at all. Oh, God. Like, you know, especially yeah. the intro of Bioshock mm-hmm. Infinite where you're handed the baseball and you can throw it at the couple or you can throw it at the guy. It's like every time I always pick the guy who hands me the baseball because I just could never – ever want to stoop that low of a level. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's interesting that they pres- provide an option there, even if it always your hand gets stopped no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still interesting because, you know, mm-hmm. there's that, I guess, moral reflection point for the player that, you know, there's probably someone out there who said, I'm going to throw it at the couple. And it's like, huh, yeah. why did they,
0: why'd they do that? Right? Like, right. Uh, mm-hmm. interesting stuff like that could be taken away. No, that's true. And that's a good example of Bioshock yeah. Infinite um and and that's the thing i I think that game handled politics very well, where it wasn't in your face and, and that's why I appreciate about it. It wasn't really in your face more or less it made you think, yeah, it made you so think about God it, totally it made you think <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> especially the ending, my goodness, oh boy, not gonna spoil it there um, but yeah, um oh liz what what do you think do do were there any video games that kind of like messed with your mind like that?
1: not really, but I have just started. Getting into video games, so I haven't really had the chance right. to explore games oh. to have that. Ab- what? Which game am I forgetting?
0: You're playing a game right now I, on our YouTube channel yeah. that has a lot to do with yes. how you treat people.
1: It does. I'm playing uh Detroit Become Human right now, so that Ooh. one. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, I haven't quite gotten far into it that yet, but there was like even in the very first scene when they're. Beat, when they try to beat up the android, Marcus. Yeah, Marcus. Yeah. I can never remember his name, but you call an him Husky Eyes, and that's all I know. <laughs> his eyes um, are so blue. I just call him Husky. They're eyes, green, actually.
0: Whatever. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thank you very much. He's in Grace Anatomy. His eyes are green. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I do think that I don't think that they can that video games can change your worldview more of open your eyes to things. Yeah. Um, like Maddie said, it's more of like when it's showing things and doing things, you're like, wow, that's like pretty bad. And then you're like, well, that's happening right now in real world. Yeah. Um, so I do think it can open your eyes to things. I don't think it can quite change your political view unless if it's opening your eyes to something that like you realize you're against and what you thought you were for, Mm -hmm. you know? So I do think I guess possibly can change your worldview, but it has to be done very well. And we've experienced games that really don't do it. Right. In the way that would help open people's eyes. They usually, when they market games mm-hmm. um, to be like an extreme view. Yeah. They're pretty much just marketing people who are already on that extreme view.
0: And I think the the theme, what we're all saying here is that I, I don't think video games can generally sway your votes more mm-hmm. than it can sway your moralities. Yeah.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: Because I, I feel like games come in, in in such an emotional state where I don't think politics there are are going to be in place if that makes sense Mm -hmm. i don't think it's going to sway where your vote goes in uh october whenever you vote (laughs) november Mm -hmm. november (laughs) (laughs) this is how much i pay attention to politics um (laughs) but i think it just sways how you treat people and Mm -hmm. and it's just um especially i don't know if you got the chance to play this maddie um sea of solitude Uh, i have not You don't even know what that game is. Oh, man. So good. So when you're done this, uh, you need to listen to our episode about Sea of Solitude. Give us more. (laughs) Give us more views. Um, (laughs) But that's the thing. It's just a Sea of Solitude messed with your morality. I actually couldn't play it in one sitting because it messed with my mind so much. It just made me super emotional. Uh, It's all about anxiety, depression, letting people down. It's so crazy.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. But yeah, I I think it shapes more your moral stance than it does your political sense. Would you agree, Maddie?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I'd say I'd say so. Uh. W- one really impactful game I played that was pretty pretty, just altering emotionally was uh we uh no, I almost said we happy few, <laughs> yeah. uh, I was gone home um yeah. to, to look through the eyes of someone and that experience was really eye opening and really solidified some perspectives that you know I I'd, I'd wavered on a little bit it was it was a very very it was one of the most impactful games I've ever played yeah. um that that is easily the shining example you know I was a 16 year old kid I think at the time just kind of starting to learn a little bit about the world and to get that point of view you know that's the impact of video games I feel but that was a moral thing you know I can't think of a game that's ever made me go huh I'm going to lean left today or I'm going to lean yeah. right today. you know mm-hmm. like I've just never had that ever happen I think politics is more of a a culmination at least in games i feel mm-hmm. like i i apply politics to like uh policies ways of life economy mm-hmm. uh living standards a set of mm-hmm. rules that are enforced ethics like i think it's a combination of a lot of things yeah and i think for a lot of people's stories are driven by emotion so we have we're more inclined to take a, have a moral takeaway mm-hmm. rather than a political one unless you're deeply, deeply searching for it, or we talked about ham-fisted games or, or yeah. ones where, like, with Far Cry 5, it kind of, you know, it got caught in that pretty yeah. quickly. I think because of its cover art, I want to say, was what it was that that dragged people's attention.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. I still remember when that game came out, and uh, coming from a Christian perspective, uh, I, I had so many people like, oh, Adam, are you offended by this game? I'm like, yeah, "Not, not really. Because, <laughs> one, they're, they're cultists. And another thing, it doesn't, it does not affect me. In the slightest <laughs> yeah. just because a yeah. game exists yeah um but no that that's that's kind of uh you're, you're right on that it, it kind of takes you emotionally more or less like oh, I'm gonna lean left I'm gonna lean right yeah um but it I, I think that games are more or less less political and, and they should be more emotional and, and how mm-hmm. you uh treat others and I don't like how politics today kind of meandered into how you treat people. Yeah. You know, it doesn't matter if you lean right, left or if you're like us in the Green Party. Uh, you should and,
1: just be a good person. Like, yeah, that should be the standard. Be a good person.
2: Exactly. Well, the way I just look at it is like I don't complete Bioshock and go like, is Booker a Democrat? I'm like, yeah. what happened yeah. to Booker? Like, what what's going on mm-hmm. in this ending? Like, I just mm. I don't know. My, You know, I might be different from other people because as you guys have mentioned for yourselves, I'm not super politically involved and i don't play games looking for that i don't mm-hmm. I, like i said i don't play games really looking for anything i very much have developed into i like having the game come to me and deliver its message to me i don't search mm-hmm. for things because yeah. that can sometimes lead to unintentional disappointment but i just never found myself thinking those things mm-hmm. you know I, I feel like if i were to ever say something like that it'd be a joke with my friends and i you know i, I don't think i would legitimately ever walk away
0: imagining that for a title
1: yeah
0: no it's totally true and I think we can um, start to wrap up this conversation with uh, with a big question here. And by wrap up, I mean like 15 minutes of wrap up. Um, <laughs> but I want to combine the last two notes that I have here. And, and I think um, we can all just uh, share a little bit about what we think. But what are the issues of being forced to spread a political message, right? Forced to spread a political agenda? Because I also read uh, an article and I DM would you and I asked you, it's like, oh, Maddie, check out this article. And it's like, mm. it's time now to talk about global warming in video games. And it almost said, yeah, <laughs> it was a very long, lengthy article and it mentioned Horizon Zero Dawn. But it was almost like saying, like, if you're a game developer, it's your responsibility to talk about global warming. And mm. and I guess what's the issues of being forced into spreading a political agenda? And what is the importance of spreading a real, relatable message over corporate agendas, right? To make sales. So, yeah. so Maddie, what what do you think about this?
2: Hmm. Um. I, I I instantly go to like the mental health stuff because we have yeah. people who go on Twitter campaigns about mental health, but. Um, you know, I don't think every game as a mental health advocate needs to be about, for example, mm-hmm. that. Um, mm-hmm. but then you'll have a game like Celeste, one I have yet to get around to, but I know is based yeah. completely around that game. Up too, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and so, um, that's a game where I feel it's important that I had a real, relatable message because you know it generated so much attention that way. It it was a genuine product. You know, these people are creators first. You know, they've had their share of passion projects in the past. Like they they built themselves that way where i I feel like telling them what to do never works you always want to go to the director and be like what do you want to make that's why and this may seem like a little uh going off topic but it's why i respected bethesda for so long because they very much were a team and they still are where they go to their company and and go like okay what do you want to make not like okay you're making another wolfenstein okay you're making another prey game like do you want to make another prey no okay what do you want to make like i I think it's very important that creators are enforced to create what they want. Hmm. Um, and I guess that does tie into the idea of, of political messages not being forced. If you want to make a game about politics. Totally. And it's genuine and authentic and like, you know, you have a goal to it, not just to gain attention, but rather you have a legitimate message there. I'll always be sitting there ready and willing to listen. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. that type of stuff is important because we've seen so many other topics be tackled. I just don't think it's every game's job to cover that. I think there's, you know, for example, the movie, you know, people often cross movies and games for some reason, but Hmm. I think in subject matter. You could, you could tie it in and go, okay, why aren't you saying movies need to also talk about global Mm -hmm. warming consistently? You know, that's just something that instantly comes to mind. It's like, you know, are you just worried that your own industry isn't talking about it enough? And you know, it's because games are separate from all that. I feel games are often, uh, tied in with the word fun mm-hmm. you know and mm-hmm. so sometimes real world stuff isn't fun and yeah. so we don't see games being talked about in that way and that's fine
0: mm-hmm. no that that's totally true it's just like and i like what you said like if if whatever they have to say you're, you're willing to sit down and and play through the game but it's just another thing like if you have a genuine message right that that's on you like go ahead make that political game make make that make that game to address global warming but it's just when you're forced and I like what you said about Bethesda too. Uh, you just make whatever game you want. Um, I, I hope they're not forced into playing it, and that's the other thing: forced to making a Prey two, that that leads to a pretty mediocre game. But when mm-hmm. they're just like, "I want to make Prey two, do it." Yeah, yeah. But uh, Liz, what are your thoughts on this last question?
1: I think that re- I, I can I agree that like you shouldn't be forcing video game developers or mm-hmm. move or movie producers or anything right. of the sort to f- to do a subject that you think is important the for a video game for a movie for any type of art to be good right the artist needs to have the passion behind it mm-hmm. if the video game developer or writer or whoever has to do this game isn't passionate about global warming or is kind of like doesn't care doesn't think about it mm-hmm then it's not going to be as good as someone who is severely passionate about global warming. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So this whoever said that like it's video games' position or job to be talking about global warming, well, then that person should go and sit down and write a video game. Yeah, do it. To do it. Because clearly they're Very passionate true. enough to do it. Like
0: mm-hmm.
1: As an artist between... I like photography and drawing and yeah. pretty much art of any kind I enjoy. As an artist, I can say you need to have that passion behind it, to, mm-hmm. for, it to, for it to be good. So I, as far as forcing anyone to do anything with their art, I honestly think yeah. it's kind of rude.
0: <laughs> and, and I think it goes to, into content uh, creators. Like mm-hmm. we're podcasters going onto YouTube. Uh, Maddie, you're YouTube going to podcast. Uh, but it's that, that's the thing. It's just like uh, when you force a creator to do your request, that that, mm-hmm. that request isn't going to be done in the right way right now I don't think we'll ever have a Twitch channel just because we're not passionate about Twitch. Mm-hmm. So if people just start saying mm-hmm. like, do a live stream, do a live stream. It's like, I don't really like live streams. I like personally, I think live streams are ones that uh, get you in the most trouble. Yeah. But, uh, but at the same time, if I'm not passionate. You, Maddie, you're on Twitch. Like you're on Twitch now, and I assume that you're pretty passionate about Twitch. I've seen some of your streams and you mm-hmm. seem to be having a good time. So yeah, it's fun. Yeah. And that's what I mean. Like it goes into content creators and what they are yeah. passionate about. Uh, and I guess to conclude all this is to say that the issues of being forced to spread a political agenda, and and both of you had touched uh, really well on this, the issues is that you don't get an actual message, right? You don't really actually get the person's perspective. You don't really get that person's genuine, heartfelt message. All you get is kind of like, it might, have, well, it's might as well have been made by an AI system. Uh, one of our top three gaming news that we had earlier was that Hideo Kojima actually predicted that in, within 10 years, AI will create remakes automatically, like create remakes and sequels to video that's games. Insane. Yeah, I hope it happens. No, I that'd be nice. Hoping. I can get KOTOR yeah. finally. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was saying. No. Um, but that, that's what I mean. It's just like you might as well have a, an artificial, artificial intelligence design a game. There's yeah. no heart behind it. So I think that's the issue behind it. But like what you said, Liz, if, if somebody is very passionate about global warming, then learn coding. Learn how to do that. Learn how to
1: or write a movie or write a movie. Do something that, uh, you know, yeah, that shows your passion for it.
0: Like uh, Nick DiPaolo, who we just had on the podcast. I keep talking about him, but he's such a cool dude. So are you, Maddie, by the way. Uh, <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. I'm no Nick, but it's all right. Right on. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it, it's just like, um, when Nick wanted to spread a message, when Nick went to s- tell stories in video games, you know what he did, he said, I'm going to learn how to make a video game. And so yeah. now he's doing it and he was featured on E3. It was, it was just super cool. Uh, but that's, that's the issues behind it. But the importance of spreading an authentic message is that you, you get to impact people's lives, mm-hmm. right? You get to impact their lives in a way that you never thought you could. And uh, like talking about you, Maddie, uh, you do things that you're very passionate about. And I very much think that you are impacting your community, right? It may be you may just look at his channel and just say, like, oh, it's just Bethesda content. But, you know, Maddie spreads a message of just um, protecting your mental health and uh, protecting who you are and just being yourself. And he impacts his community by being passionate about what he wants to talk about, and you can't get that kind of impact by just being forced to do content so if i asked you maddie like oh matt i i'm I'm so disappointed can you please make a video about sea of solitude like i'm forcing you right now to make a sea of solitude and Mm -hmm. you know maybe you could but it wouldn't be heartfelt it would be just like hey i'm just doing this so that adam doesn't throw a rock through my window (laughs) but (laughs) but I, i think that's what it comes down to it's just if Politics and games are what you're passionate about. If you want to spread a political message, you should be the one to do it. Nothing is really stopping you, especially in today's game development when mm-hmm. indie games are becoming on the rise. Yeah, true. Nothing's really stopping you. So I think it should come from the people who are very passionate about it. Uh, very, very passionate about their message, very passionate about uh, politics. But you shouldn't force somebody to do anything right because it won't come off as heartfelt and impactful Mm -hmm. right to the community indie games
2: probably the best spot for it because when you think about development team sizes i doubt you're gonna get a hundred people together who all share the same political views but you know i'm sure you could get a group of five together who could make something
0: that that generally has the same point of view Mm -hmm. no that that's a good point like how are you gonna get all 100 people to get on your same page that's hard to do right I mean, there's three of us right now in this podcast, and I'm sure we're not on the same page politically, per se. Mm -hmm. Um, We're not going to talk about that, but (laughs) (laughs) the whole point of this is not to talk about politics. Um, But yeah, uh, any other closing thoughts?
2: No, I I think just, you know, I I think this is a really good conversation. I I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I I, I appreciate um, you guys inviting me to be a part of it because I was telling you off camera so to speak off mic rather yeah in my case uh yeah yeah, i never had a chance to really talk about this stuff before with people who also share that point of view Mm -hmm. uh so it's it's nice to have that
0: yeah man no you had some really good points um definitely um we're going to be fighting you again sometime in the future for sure uh right on uh liz any other closing thoughts
1: no i mean i think we talked it out pretty well
0: yeah no, this is this is a really good conversation. Yeah. Um, Matt, again, thank you for whoops, I uh, hit my mic. Awesome. <laughs> good for me. Uh, um, but Maddie, thank you again for coming on the show. This has been very eye opening, not just from a political stance, but just to get to know you a little bit better. Um, good, Yeah, man. Uh, and thanks again for answering the, the the interview questions as well. Of course, it's it's my pleasure. And
2: uh, I don't get to do this too often, so I, I thoroughly enjoy when I'm able to.
0: No, definitely, man. Definitely. Uh, just want to remind all the viewers here to uh, check out Manny's YouTube channel. I will have it linked in the description down below, along with his Patreon. Please uh, consider putting on his Patreon. Uh, what is it? Flick a buck. Flick a buck. Flick a buck. Du, du, du. Mm-hmm. Uh, As my is. allergies definitely ruined my voice that I tried to yeah. sing. <laughs> um, definitely consider uh, contributing to his Patreon. Uh, there's a Discord on there. The Discord is popping, especially with Mike Fury being on there. Um. Oh gosh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's a he's a handful. Um, <laughs> Twitter. Uh, di- I'll have his Twitter down below. His Twitch channel. So definitely give him a shot. Uh, get him up to the million. Uh, but we also want to say if you're if you're new here, if you're watching our YouTube channel, definitely uh consider uh blah. I can talk. <laughs> definitely consider clicking that subscribe button and clicking that notification bell. So you're all alert on when podcasts come out and our let's play videos and discussion videos. Also check out on Twitter at gaming groceries. You can follow us individually at Ace the grocer.
1: And I'm at journey first.
0: So follow us on Instagram games, groceries, one word and our website games where you can find out where you can listen to all of the episodes from the audio version. And there's a link on there to say that's where can I listen to this on the audio iTunes, Player FM, we're on like fourteen different platforms, <laughs> um, but yeah. So I think that concludes this week's episode about the apolitical gamer. I want to thank uh, once again for Mr. Matty Plays for coming on. This has been such an honor, man. Oh, it's my pleasure. I, I appreciate you guys bringing me on. Hey, no problem, man. We'll have to do this again sometime. I'm down. We uh, don't no win. Definitely, definitely. All right, human beings. We'll catch you on the flip flop. I guess I don't know. I'll see you later.
1: Bye. Later.